Living Local, telling the stories that connect us. A United Way of Greater Milwaukee and Waukesha County podcast. The 53206 zip code in Milwaukee is the most incarcerated zip code in the United States, with 62% of adult males having spent time in prison. These statistics are shocking, sad, and hit extremely close to home. However, hearing the story firsthand of one of the individuals and families affected by the incarceration rate is even more powerful. Though still a young man, Chad Wilson spent approximately 15 years of his life in and out of the criminal justice system. During his time in prison, Chad autonomously educated himself in a myriad of subjects and worked closely with the Milwaukee Fatherhood Initiative. Resilience has played a major role in Chad's life, allowing him to stay focused on continuously improving all areas of his life, fatherhood being the most important to him. This journey has been difficult for Chad, who faces significant barriers in trying to find steady employment with a record and in enriching his relationship with his family. After enrolling in the employment program at the Milwaukee Urban League, Chad found a position as a loan executive with United Way for our 2017 campaign. After meeting him soon after he started working here in August, I was eager to sit down with Chad to hear his story of experiencing incarceration and what life is like now. So tell me about what what brought you here to United Way. Well, uh, I got an email from... Uh, my former case manager at Milwaukee Urban League, Betty Speed, telling me about a job, a position here as a loan executive. When I did apply, uh, the process was fairly quick. You know, was it? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I got an email from Ken Vogel, email from Mimi Laughlin, and um, had the interview with Miss Linda McFerrin. You know, a couple of days went by and background check thing came up. So I was like, whoa. And usually I'm not too excited about jobs at all. Why? Because, uh, because of the fact that, like, it, the hiring practices that are in place. I got so many letters of, uh, sorry, but we're going to go with another candidate. Or I got so many of those, like, stored in my house that, I've kind of been like so discouraged to think somebody could look past my past due to the things that are in place with hiring practices, human resources departments across the world. You know, there's a lot of chads that feel that way, so I felt that way. So I mean, um, so you're nervous. I was very nervous because up. I knew, like, when it came down to it, they. Uh, the people understood I had a background. Ken knew I had a background. Linda knew I had a background. Mimi had, knew I had a background from them viewing the film, Milwaukee 5 through 206. So... What you know, ended up happening with that? Well, yeah, I ended up getting hired on as an administrative loan executive. And um, it's been great so far. Uh, and we'll talk a little bit about your background, but... Um, sure. But you were in prison. Mm-hmm. And so... You've been out for two years? I've been out uh, from prison for 
about five years. Five no, years. about seven years, actually. Sorry. Okay. About seven years because I got released in 2010, December 2010. So, like, I'd, I'd been in jail with county jail time. You know, when you go, <laughs> county jail time is kind of worse than, than prison time. And it seems like it's marketed that way because of the fact that, uh, it goes a long way when somebody wants to get out of that environment and go somewhere where they can go outside. So they end up just taking a plea deal. Like, give me whatever. I'm sick. Like, the county jails are, like, torture. Like, if you do one year in there, it's like doing two years in prison. So I had done a lot of the county time due to being on probation, parole. In in the in-between time sure, since 2010? Sure, because okay. of violations, whatever mm-hmm. violation it may be, me not reporting where I live, me not reporting police contact if I got pulled over, uh, anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And so in the, in the time that you've been out and been job hunting, mm-hmm. it hasn't been going well? It's been a process, you know, and it's been, uh, you know, you got to, like, really just stay in the process because if you don't, you're going to give in. Now, this is the part that that people end up saying, I don't want to do this because it's, it's hard. It's, it's taking seven fifty. It's taking minimum wage maybe for two years. Um, it's taking, like, not buying the latest things. For years, for as long as it takes for you to get in position, it takes for your mind to evolve into wanting to have a different lifestyle. So it's just been evolution, and what you know, it shows the work that I've been doing, the places that I'm able to go now, and things that I'm able to, the jobs that opportunities that are coming in front of me now, all stem from like the process. So if I've stayed with I stayed in the process, and these are some of the things that are coming with it. And I'm just happy to be able to have people along the way that are getting to understand that uh, to judge somebody for where they are now and what they've evolved to because of the process of life. Period. You know, you you, you go through things that you know that, that the struggle is beautiful because it's it brings about a person out of you that you may have never known exist. So. I Did you find that happen to you? Uh, in a lot of ways. Tell me about that. Oh, uh, man. Like your self-esteem goes sometimes when you're going in and out of the, the justice system. You know, you have to deal with a lot of stigmas. You have to deal with stigmas from people that are even within your family because of how, you know, the prison system is marketed. All of a sudden, if you're a part of prison and you're like unsalvageable and you're you're this, that, whatever, and you're like a lost cause, and if you're not careful, like I wasn't, you take on that kind of energy where you don't really look at yourself as too much. So I had to do a lot of, you know, motivating things for myself, and I was just thankful that I had programs to like deal with because to be able to pay me seven fifty an hour to have some sort of stability, even if it was for six months, then I could build relationships with other people through this job. And, you know, I had got some good jobs with Transform Milwaukee Jobs. You know, I worked with Vest Place Central with Bertie Cowser over there and uh, ended up getting placed with Milwaukee Father Initiative as well. I still got to catch myself, you know, 
it's not like it's all over with and I don't ever have any doubt about myself. I still have to catch myself because of the fact that, you know, um, if things, things are ingrained in your head for 10, 15 years, <laughs> you may have some thought about it after you, eat, after you even, like, help yourself get better. And a lot of a lot of the, a lot of the things I've been a part of, you know, I have to give credit to a lot of a lot of people that helped me along the way. You know, I want to talk a little bit about kind of a very transformative experience you had in your young life. Sure. Um, so you were born and raised here in Milwaukee, sure. in the Central City. Is mm-hmm. that is mm-hmm. that right? In the mm-hmm. Central City, and you lived there until your young teens, or sure. until you were about ten. Sure. And then your father bought a house in Mequon. Sure. And so your family moved up there, and mm-hmm. you are, you're mixed race. You're black and Mexican. Is Correct. that right? Correct. And so your family moved up to Mequon, mm-hmm. which is a pretty close suburb of Milwaukee, but you know, raci- racially, ethnically, a very different makeup oh, man. <laughs> from where you moved from and where you grew up yeah. to where you found yourself going to junior high, going sure, to high school. Sure. So how did that transition affect you? Oh, man, it was a, it's like a fish out of water. You know, I was used to one thing, but had to, like, assimilate to something else that I just didn't want to and I wasn't willing to. Um, I go from having friends that I, you know, ride bikes with and go to the candy store with to, looking around me and seeing nobody but old people in their houses retired. And then, you know, the family dynamics play a role in it. I have older sister, you know, 10 years apart. My brother's seven years apart. Then I have another sister older than me that's three years apart. So Chad is just by himself basically out there. And, like, is whenever, like, I decided, like, I couldn't take it like that a lot. So... Four, four or five times out of the week, I would my my bike would be in the trunk, and we'd be going back to my neighborhood. My mom would be dropping me off right there. You would come back oh, yeah, to I, Milwaukee, I, I where you grew up, yeah, to spend I, time with your old friends. Yeah, I mean, because were you just having a hard time making new friends? No, it's just it's just uh, it's how society works. It seems like you know you go to school with X amount of people for so long. You you, you start in one neighborhood, and you guys grow together. So by the time I was out there, relationships were established. People had their cliques already. I was just kind of like the new guy out there. And I'm, my, maybe my personality just didn't care to, like, try and fit in. But and maybe, my, maybe what I was used to, I just did not see at that time. I just didn't feel the same energy that I felt prior to going to school and being in an environment that I was used to. So, and I didn't even understand what was going on, though, at that time. Right. Yeah, you were so young. Do you think race had something to do with it? Of course, because I was, uh, yeah, I was, like, very, there was only a few of us out there. Um, There was a 220 program that brought kids, uh, black kids from Milwaukee. But even then, they had been coming out since they were in first, second grade. So the relationships that they had or they established weren't the ones that, you know, I established that I was waiting to go back to school with 
And you know what? In in retrospect, you look back, and then you figure it out because you see it then. You see that your dad was just understanding the property value of of, of Ozaukee County and versus buying a house in in Milwaukee. Why not buy one that's going to accumulate some kind of value? That's what I saw later on in life. I didn't see that he, but in the beginning, I thought, man, you're taking, you're stripping me of my friends. So then you ultimately become like an enemy to me in certain ways in the household, and I'm resent like everything about like I know that you're a provider, but man, I don't not like where we're at right now. You felt like an outsider. I did. You were probably treated like an outsider, and so that's the role you well, were Well, you know what? They, people didn't treat me bad, like, but I could feel, you can, you can feel energy. You know what energy is like. So, like, <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was weird, but it was not, like, something I'd be, I could, it was, like, horrible. I just didn't like it. Yeah. That's just all it was. I just did not like it. I did not like what I felt. I did not like to, you know, uh, sometimes I didn't like people saying the jokes they said and thinking that I was going to laugh at them. You know, uh, I did not like the fact that when we moved, they thought we were burglarizing our own house. Really? Yeah. Who thought that? <laughs> Neighbors. Because my dad had they a... they call the cops? Yeah. They, yeah. What? My dad had a 1980s uh, Malibu that we, we were using to transport all the stuff, you know? you know, dressers and what whatnot. So police came over and asked us question like, Who are you guys and what are you guys doing here? So I'm not gonna say that that was I had some good moments out there with my with my family. I did. But I just didn't envision it going like that. So like the culture shock thing kinda set in. And I felt it, like, in more ways than just from, like, being a part of a community that didn't look like the one that I left from. It was from my own community as well, you know? Really? Yeah, so it's like um, my complexion is light. So you can't tell what I am sometimes. So I'm Mexican and black. And with that being said, sometimes I wasn't black enough for my own black brothers and sisters. And sometimes I wasn't Mexican enough for my own Mexican brothers and sisters because I didn't speak Spanish. I don't speak Spanish. So ultimately I just chose like green and money and how to, you know, and and enlist like-minded people with me. I got turned off to just like friends a lot because of like the ignorance that was in the air from just humans, period. So yeah. So money. That's what that it was. became that your That became my friend. Motivation. That became my friend. friend. Yeah, cuz it got you everything. <laughs> it did like it got you things that you thought were important. You know, it really did. It bought the material things. It bought it bought friends. Yeah, relationships. You know, it bought relationships. Add. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, that's how we do it now in, in the business culture. That's how you buy friends. You can buy friends now. So that's just how things work. It seems like in um, society we have sometimes, not all the times. But, um, yeah, I gravitated towards that because I, I knew that I would be able to be in a better position, have a different status, 
have more respect, so to say. Um, I have the freedom to do what I wanted on my time clock. So kind of moving on chronologically in your life, mm -hmm. how old were you when you first went to, to prison? Did right. you go to prison or to jail? I went to the county jail first for a year, got revoked from my probation parole, my probation, and they ended up going to do three years. And I was at age 23. And then work. you've told me you were kind of in and out for the well, next 20 years or so? Next, the next, so from the next, yeah, next 15 years. 15 I, years. I was on probation until 2010, easily. I discharged off of. Your mindset when you first went in, where was your head at, and then how did that change during your experience? I was 23, so, like, I was 23. I was thinking about just doing this time and coming home. <laughs> I wasn't mm -hmm. thinking about nothing else. I, uh, you know, I embraced uh, Islam faith, faith of Islam, when I was during that time. And uh, I actually studied all the lessons of the Nation of Islam, and uh, which uh, you know gave me some structure and some ideas that it helped me think bigger than I thought, and it gave me a, a peaceful sense as well. But that all went out the window when you are going home and you're trying, and you get home and <laughs> you're trying to get a job. You kind of like because you. You're stuck. You like you don't know what to do. You have very little options, so you you just go back to doing what you know. So during that time period, I was I'm not gonna say I was bad. I was growing. Yeah. <laughs> I was growing, and I was growing at my rate. Absolutely. Yeah. So you told me that eventually you got to a place where you were using your time in prison. At the library, sure. you were reading up on, you know, basically trying to just expand your knowledge base sure. and make yourself ready for the real world. Yes. Talk about that time in your life. Yeah, well, they, the, the vocations that you can pick from really didn't suit me. Being that that was a, a good time to, um, you know, uh, evaluate your life, I decided to read nothing but nonfiction books. And what I noticed about reading a lot of these books is the resilience a lot of people have. That people have gone through a lot and they have bounced back and they have made those struggles, they have turned those into great outcomes for themselves and their families. So, and society as well. So, I noticed that trait in every book. So, I decided to just think about how I can get better as an individual. So I looked in psychology books, sociology books. I looked into uh, etymology, how to break down words. I looked in. I, I had a, I had a list of every subject that I studied, and it was a long list because I would just find things to study that were like nonfiction. I would study um, anthropology. You know, I would study anything that I could to get me closer to know who I really am. I wanted to apply some of the things when I got home eventually, too. I didn't know if I was ready, but I knew I wanted to start learning more. Education was became important. I come from a line of 
people that really valued education. So um, my, my uncle Lenar Wills was, uh, Dr. Lenar Wills was um, on a police force here for a, a couple decades, but he always was about education. My dad was about education. My mom and dad pushed me for to do good in school. Did I do good in school? Not as good as I could have probably, but they always pushed me. So like I said, those seeds were planted so that when I did get in a position like this, I referred to those things that were good and wholesome that I knew could help me get better. So, In the documentary, which if listeners haven't seen it, I know there's a, you know, plenty of showings going around and we can share some upcoming showings. So in that documentary, we see, you know, in the House of Corrections, people, a bunch of men sitting around in a circle and kind of talking and Dell kind of leading groups. So would you do a lot of talking and and talking out the kind of issues that you were facing as a father who's locked up? Yes. Uh, that's what that... Uh that program was for it was to to begin to teach men that didn't have fathers how to be more nurturing and it's kind of looked at as being soft a little bit mm-hmm. so we don't embrace it as much as we should but in actuality it's the it's the it's the key component of what we've been missing a lot of us have been missing my dad was very into the business though he was into doing what he was doing career wise my dad was my dad was very focused on taking care of the family he created so with that being said like some of the things I was looking for I just probably I didn't get the things I was looking for so that carried over into my life you know uh, being more oriented on like have my mind set more on like how to get further along in life versus how to spend time with my my children. So, um, but my dad really just wanted to take care of us really good. I know, and I, I know I had more than my dad ever had. My dad was resilient, and his resilience kept him focused. And his focus was on making sure that we were good. And my dad made sure we were good. And my mom is still good to this day because of my dad. I got a lot more than I thought I had. And I ran to places that I thought would give me more than my family could. So in addition to your dad, Mm -hmm. um, who are some of the people that you think about when it's when things in life are challenging and and you're trying to reinforce that Hmm. need to be resilient? I think about my children. I think about how they need me and how there's been so much time lost that there is no room for any more time lost. I have a role here on earth, and whatever happened in the past was then, and this is now. So I know that I have uh, a meaning when it comes to why I'm here. Law of attraction is something I, I, <laughs> I use. What's that? Like when you, you think about things that you really want to make happen in your life. So you attract the things you want to make happen. So, Got it. Like um, envisioning. Yeah, kind of like yeah so I do a lot of that. Boards. I do a lot mm-hmm. of yeah, and I haven't gotten into meditating, but I, I, yeah. I really would like to start meditating. What What would be on your vision board? What do you... What do you think about when you're 
Um, what are you trying to attract to your life? I want a happy family. I want some happy kids. That's what I want most. I don't want anything else. And I want to just be able to have a a big enough house for all of them. <laughs> so I just want that. And, that, and those things will come to fruition as I keep going on the route that I'm going right now. So I am excited about the future. But I know that things from the past still need some attention. And they will get just that as I keep on evolving. What are one or two things that you learned from working with the Fatherhood Initiative that really stick with you about being a father? How you can't buy a relationship. How you have to balance out the relationship with by being a provider and also being a guider, one that's there for guidance and you know, a lot of a lot of me thought that you know dropping off money was good enough because then they can go do whatever they want. But in retrospect, I have to give what I was looking for. So it helped open my eyes up on that aspect. Another thing it did was just give me just a general perspective on fatherhood. It made me look at it deeper than I ever did. It made me look at mine, it made me thankful for my father, it made me thankful for the things I had, but it also made me kind of upset for what I, where I failed at. So, you know, I own those failures, and it's still in the process of getting better right now. So until I get it where I want it, where I can really see that my children are happy the way they should be, I'll either do it or die trying. Mm-hmm. What's something that you want to say to other men who may be struggling? Maybe they were in prison. Sure. Um, maybe they're just having a hard time making it happen. Mm-hmm. What are some, some words that have helped you that maybe you want to share? Oh, this is a process. This is a tough process. Uh, I took 750 minimum wage for more than two years and it's going to take some time and you have to believe that you can elevate in a new way of life just like you did in your old way of life if you had any success in that you have to see that as a sign that you can you can transfer your skills and you have to want to do it and you have to keep going well, Chad, I'm so happy that you're here working with us at United Way. I'm and happy to be here. You're a great presence in the office, very positive, and this is just the beginning. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, and I look forward to doing whatever I can to make society better with the United Way. That was Chad Wilson, Administrative Loan Executive here at United Way, proud father, and one of the subjects of the documentary, Milwaukee 53206. Don't miss your chance to view this incredible documentary. Visit milwaukee53206.com slash screenings to learn more. Living Local is produced by myself, Katie Kuhn, Melissa Hannon, Brian McCaig, and John Waldbauer. A special thank you to Ethan and Maeve McCaig for providing the music and voice talent for our introduction.